Well, hey again, everyone, I hope you're good. Before we jump into the message today, I wanted to plug and let you know that we have city groups coming up soon. City groups is this intentional space we want to create as a family where we get to not only find each other, but encourage each other on our own discipleship journey, but also together as we become and look more like Jesus. So we want these spaces to be intentional. Um, this time around, we're going to look at this material, this book by a guy called Alan Scott called Scattered Servants. And I love the tagline. It says, unleashing the church to bring life to the city or unleashing the church to bring life and hope to our communities, our neighborhoods, if you like. So we feel this is both timely and it's probably going to be something that's going to define us for many years to come. So I want to encourage you, when groups go up online, jump in. We're doing them obviously via Zoom still. So that probably makes it easier because you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home. Um, so more details on this will follow. But just to say, we believe very much we are the gathered church that we come together as a family to be empowered, equipped, to then be scattered that we see Jesus through us transform and change communities through hope and life and love. So let me encourage you, when they come online, jump in. If for some reason you cannot afford to buy this book, let us know and we'll help you out with that. Or if you can't join a group this time around, let me encourage you, buy the book anyway and, and enjoy it and let it provoke and challenge you. Okay, that's City Groups. Look out for more details to come. We're going to jump into, uh, we're going to carry on our Philippian series. And really what I want to share today is having how we have the same heart as Jesus. I thought what Sarah shared last week was just stellar. I loved that thought of what it looks like for us to live lives worthy of the gospel we've received, worthy of this new life we've received in Jesus. And if you remember, she challenged us to think, what's it look like for us to now Set our minds, set our hearts on being citizens of a completely new kingdom with Jesus being king. Jesus being king. So I want to I wanna hold on to that thought that throughout the letter, it's one letter. So Paul doesn't, it's not like all different themes, all patchy all over the place. No, there's, it, it's still about being living lives worthy of the gospel. It's still about us living with our mind on this new citizenship that we belong to. So I want to hold on to that thought. Today we're looking at what it looks like to live humble, self-giving, sacrificial lives, if you like, living humbly, li living as Christ's example, if you like, so having the same heart as Jesus. Philippians 2, and we're going to jump into verse 1 to 11. Philippians 2, 1 to 11. Some of your Bibles, it might be entitled Christ's example of humility. So let's read this together. So if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being same-minded or having the same mind, having the same love, being of full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality to, with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here, this is just a remarkable, remarkable chunk of scripture. Many of you will know it famously. Here, Paul is talking about unity and humility. That actually, that should be in in play in the life of a believer. That for us, if we confess to follow Jesus, there should be this desire right at the heart for unity, for oneness of heart and mind. And he's saying that this is expressed actually through humble lives, through simple, humble, self-giving lives. Humility, humility, just that word to go low, to, to, to bring yourself low that looks actually to elevate and lift up and serve others. And ultimately he's saying here that this is perfectly and amazingly demonstrated in the life of Jesus. Paul holds up Jesus to us all and says, this is what humility looks like. And we're going to get to this in just a little bit. But for now, I want us to see that in Paul's mind, and I believe we need to be challenged like this, there's no wriggle room for humility. It's not something we just simply turn on and off when we feel like it, when it's going easy for us or when people are easy for us. You know, having that attitude of, well, I'll humble myself if you humble yourself. Or if someone expresses humility to me, then I'll be humble to them. I'll I'll be humble to those that deserve it. We need to remember that our lives are to serve others. That's what it means to follow Jesus, that we become servants, that our lives are to serve others. Paul says this right at the start of the letter. I, Paul, servant, we're to serve We're to live lives like Jesus, who looked to lay down his rights, his desires, selfish ambition, self-promotion, pride for the sake of others. As I've said, not just when it feels okay, not just when we feel like it, not just when we feel like it, when we don't find each other difficult. Because I think humility is best expressed and seen when we don't feel like it when it is tough, when the chips are down, when we find people and things difficult and challenging and tough, even when people don't deserve it, Paul says do nothing. Not some things. He says absolutely zero. Do nothing from a self-orientated position. Things that look to draw attention to self, look at me, encourage me, honour me, think of me, my opinions, what I think. He says, do nothing from that place. Verse three says, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Man, doesn't that challenge you? In humility, from a low position, count others, count someone else more significant than yourselves. This is so alien to the culture and the times we live, isn't it? To the world around us. Just think of where we live right now. This is very alien to what we're told. We see some flashes of humility, but in a lot of people, this isn't how they think. But Paul's like, have this one mind among yourselves. This is what unity looks like, this oneness of heart. Not uniformity, not that we all talk and sound the same, not that we all dress the same and look the same. We all look like Jesus, that's the goal of unity. But unity is expressed through humble lives, through 
lives that say, man, I'm, I'm counting what you think more important than what I think. And Paul's saying, have this mind, have this heart attitude right at the heart among yourselves. Count yourselves, count others, sorry, more significant than yourselves. And I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, man, this challenges me. Do I do this? Do I, if I hold this scripture up to my life, this encouragement from Paul, do I do that? Do I do that? Is this actually real for me? Am I considering other people first? Am I considering you first? Or is it all about what I think? So I want to ask you, what about you? Does this challenge you? Anything about that? Don't be self-seeking, but in humility, consider others more significant. Does that challenge you? And you know what? What's also amazing here, for Paul, this, it, it seems to bring him maximum joy. This brings him maximum joy. The thought of a church community, the thought of the people of God, the family of God, each living lives where they think outside of themselves. Rather than thinking of self, they, they have this thought pattern where it's like, no, I'm thinking outside of myself for the sake of other people. This seemed to complete his joy. It says, make my joy complete by thinking this way. It's amazing. Challenging, isn't it? Because if I'm honest, what brings me joy a lot of the time is when you think about me, when you honor me, when you encourage me, when you think of my opinions, when you ask for my opinions, when my opinions count, when my rights are taken into consideration. That's what brings me joy. But for Paul, it was the complete reverse. What does it look like to be a people a family, a church that always thinks outside of themselves for the sake of others. So, friends, how do we do this? How do we do this well? How do we live self-giving, self-sacrificing, humble, simple lives? Something that becomes the norm, something that's actually sustainable and not, as I say, switched on and off because Humility isn't something that's just downloaded. It's just kind of imparted into you at birth. It's not something that just is downloaded even when you're saved. We do take on the life of Jesus. I'll get to that in a bit. But it's something we need to steward and grow in and, and pay attention to. It's not something equally that you can just come forward for, for prayer or ask for prayer for as a one-off encounter to say, man, I want to I pray to be more humble and someone will lay hands on you and boom, you're zapped with humility. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. It's also not sustained, in my opinion, because I try, it's not sustained by just trying hard. A stoic mentality, just try hard, it will, it will last for a, for a while, but then it will soon wear thin. Listen to this. Jesus said these words. How do we do it? Jesus said these words in Luke's gospel. He says them in different places of the gospels as well, in Matthew as well. Luke 9, 23 says, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to be my learner, my student, my disciple, if you want to look like me, then you need to deny yourself. You need to deny yourself and then you need to pick up your cross daily and follow. Man, the challenge for us all here, and if we're brutally honest, are we doing this? 
Are we, are we following Jesus? Are we denying ourselves? Are we picking up his, like his cross and daily following us? Because this is what he invites us into. And it's not a control thing. It's not a hard line. He doesn't force us in, but it's a strong encouragement. He's saying, if you want to learn from me, if you want to be like me, if you want to be my disciple, then this is what you need to do. You need to deny yourself and you need to take up your cross daily and follow. Man, how, how simple a concept, right? How simple a concept, but how difficult to actually put into practice. And you know what? This makes me think more and more, you know, we're called to be doers of the word and not just hearers. We're called to be doers of what Jesus encourages us to do. As we feel his prompts by the spirit, as we read his word, we're called to do it. But for so many of us, we memorize scripture, we can quote scripture, we can learn scripture, we can teach scripture, we can have seminars on scripture, but are we actually living it out? Are we actually living denying ourselves? Are we actually living picking up a new life in Christ? We can memorize it, but it's hard to actually live it. And I think this is a provocation for us all. If we truly say we confess Jesus as Lord and we want to follow him, then we need to deny ourselves. To walk in humility, I believe we first need to learn to die. To die to that old self, that old nature that looks to pull us back, that looks to turn us inward and become all narcissistic and self-promoting and self-interest and me, 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 that the world revolves around me. Now, not many people say that because we find them, those people odd when they say that. But the truth of the matter is a lot of us feel it. We might not say it, but that's what we truly believe. Man, what's in it for me? What benefits me? How's this going to affect me? What about me? What about me? The world revolves around me. Jesus revolves around me. This, we've got to remember, friend, is our old life. It's the old nature and it's now dead. The moment we turn to Christ, the moment we received him, the Bible's clear, the old has gone and the new has come. We have a brand new life in Jesus. That old dead man is gone. So we mustn't follow the pattern of the old nature, the old flesh that's looking to turn inward. See, when we receive this new life, we look outward for the sake of others. Deny yourself. And I believe that denying of self is the first step in walking in humility. Something to remember here, though, what I want to be clear on is denying yourself doesn't mean having a negative view of yourself or devaluing yourself or not, not having a, an appropriate worth on your life because there is great worth on your life. You were bought, the Bible says, at such a high price. Jesus gave his whole life for you. So there's incredible worth on your life. So it's not devaluing you. It's knowing who you actually are. It's so important. C.S. Lewis, I think it's him that was first quoted of saying, and I know Rick Warren said this as well, but C.S. Lewis said, true humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Did you get that? True humility isn't thinking less of yourself, that you're a worm, you're a wretch, woe is me, you're nothing. No, no, that's not humility. Humility is just thinking of yourself less. It's so important to remember who we are. 
having this correct understanding of who we are in Jesus. Sarah talked all about it last week, that we're now citizens of a completely new kingdom with a new king. It's amazing that we are accepted, we're chosen, we're adopted into his family as his kids, forever loved. Friends, you are forever loved. Wherever you're listening to me from today, whatever you're going through in your life, you are forever loved by God. We're absolutely adored by him. So we need to remember that. And I believe those that are secure in the love of God, those that are secure in their oneness with Jesus, those that are secure in their identity, just give their lives away. They look to think of others first. So from that place, from knowing who you are, denying yourself, that old man, that old unhelpful you that's dead now in Jesus, you've picked up a new life. From that place, we get to freely give our lives away to others, freely. Freely we've received, freely we give. We get to do it freely. Not like grumpy teenagers. <laughs> Some of you might have them. Some of you might be them. If you're listening, I'm sorry, but not like grumpy teenagers. You know, like, oh, all right, what's, what do you want? What is it that you actually, what wants you, what's your opinion? Okay, I'll listen to you. No, we get to freely do this in joy, knowing we're empowered children of God, totally loved by Jesus, not as grumpy teenagers. Luke 9, 24 says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. I love this because if you look at it, this is talking about the old selves. If you want to if you want to hold on to that, if you want to hold on to that old you with all those selfish thoughts, that self-ambition, that pride, that arrogance, if you want to hold on to that, you'll lose everything. You'll lose everything. It'll all be for nothing, fruitless, meaningless. You'll soon realize that the whole gig was empty. But if, you, if we lay our lives down, if we humbly surrender them to Christ, then that's where we'll truly live. That's where we'll find abundant life. So deny yourself, but take up a new life. Take up his cross. It's what it means to walk in humility, to take on the life of a different person, Jesus. Now, take up his cross. He's not talking about somehow collecting a wooden frame, carrying a wooden frame, that we would be flogged, we'd be beaten, we'd be tortured, we'd be executed. This isn't. I don't believe, somehow talking about take up a daily martyrdom attitude. I think it's about taking on a life, taking on a mindset, a heart attitude that looks, looks like and sounds and lives just like our King, Jesus. That we would take up his life, take up his cross, take up his life. A life of humble, self-giving, sacrificial service. It just lays your life down for the sake of someone else. No greater love is there than someone that lay down his life for a friend. But equally, no greater love than someone who would lay down their life for an enemy. You know, when we do this, when we pick up the life of Jesus, when we take on his life, when we deny the old, but take on the new, knowing, like Paul said, man, I've been crucified with Jesus. I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul knew this is what it looked like to put on a new life 
As we do this, we begin to see what he sees. We, his ways become our ways. His thoughts become our thoughts. New motives, new heart attitudes, a heart and nature that looks like Jesus, that is demonstrated in and through our lives. And just like Jesus, we just give away for the sake of others. I keep ramming that home. But here in Philippians 2, we see one ultimate act of humility. And this is where I want to kind of zero it all in on. Verse 6 to 11, we get this incredible poem and it's slap bang in the middle of this letter. And I feel it's like a stake or a pin or a nail that's holding the whole letter together because in and through this poem, we see who our great God is. Paul wants to show us who God is and what he's like. And Paul gets all poetic and it's still uncertain whether Paul actually penned this himself or whether he pinched it from somewhere else. But I think he's, he's using it to ram home a point and it's beautiful. What better way to paint a picture of humility than lifting up Jesus? Listen to this. We're going to read it again. Verse 6 to 11. First five says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We've looked at that. And this is where the poem just beautifully unravels. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He, that is Jesus, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is just amazing. What beautiful words. God, this incredible King Jesus, this eternal King, fully God and fully man. This eternal king left glory and he came to be amongst us. He came to live as one of us. He took on the form of a human, of a, of a man. But even more than that, he became a servant and he chose to go low. He chose to humble himself. He made himself nothing. He pushed aside his rights for the sake of me, for the sake of you. And he chose ultimately to lay down his life and through him, we might live. Man, it's amazing. And Paul's saying, you want to know what humility looks like? Friends, you want to know what the ultimate act of humility looks like? Like that. Just like Jesus, our King. Like our King of kings and Lord of lords. Like the King of glory. The King of heaven and earth. Who one day, under him, every knee will bow. That King. That King. He humbled himself and he became obedient for our sake, even to death, even death on a cross. The horror of the cross, the shame of the cross, the pain of the cross, the torture of the cross. He carried that for us because he so loved us. That king, that incredible, eternal, forever king humbled himself, put on skin, put on flesh, came as a man to act like a servant, to lay down his life for the sake of humanity. And we need to see that Jesus did not lay down his life for those that deserved it. 
for those that had it all sussed, those that had it all together, because that's no one. He didn't lay down his life because it was easy. He laid down his life for the sake of the world, for the sake of humanity, for, the, for our sake, for, the, for your sake, for our brokenness, for, for humanity's terror, for, for all the pain and the shame and the guilt and the sin and the horror of it all. He laid down everything for our sake. And you know what? Even more for his enemies, for those that abandoned him, those that mocked him in the day, those that pulled his beard out, those that punched him in the face, those that spat in his face, those that shoved a crown of thorns on his head, those that flogged and whipped and tortured him, those that ultimately executed him for their sake, for our sake. He went low and he humbled himself. What God could have done is he could have started again. He could have just completely wiped us out, couldn't he? This king of heaven and earth, this king of glory, this king of everything, he could have just brushed us away like sand on the seashore or like ants, just bye-bye, just brush us all away, but he didn't. But he didn't. And instead of coming as a king that lords it over us and demands and forces with an iron rod, that's not how he came. He didn't come demanding to be served, but he came to be servant of all. Mark 10, 45, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Did you hear that? This king of glory didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and he came to serve you and me and give his life for us as a ransom for many. That is the ultimate act of humility. And in Jesus, I think Paul wants to see who God is, what he's like. We see his heart for us all, his heart for humanity, self-giving, sacrificial, humble servant. Self-giving, sacrificial, humble servant of all, showing us just how much he loves us. This then surely is what compels us to follow, right? This then surely is what inspires me to follow this great king. I mean, why wouldn't we follow a king and a Lord and a savior like that? We're to follow him. We're to deny ourselves, to follow him, to become like him. That means living humble, easy, self-giving, sacrificial, laying our lives down, servant lives. You know, the question for us is, this is what transformed Paul. This is what took Paul from a persecutor, a murderer, to a humble servant. The question is, has Jesus changed us that way? Has he taken us from self, the old self, or the arrogance and pride? And are we now humble servants that look to follow him and model him wherever we go? Just as we close, uh, just before we go into prayer, I want you to dream with me just for a moment. Dream, dream with me. Now, now imagine what this could look like. Now imagine what this could look like for a whole church community, for a family together that would deny themselves, but would take on the life of Jesus, that would consider others more significant than themselves. In humility, would consider each other first. Just imagine what the impact could be. Family, friends, neighborhoods, communities, 
work colleagues, schools, universities, the very culture we live in. Imagine the impact if we all put this into practice. <laughs> Denied ourselves and picked up the life of Jesus and followed him. A people that didn't live for themselves, but lived to serve and honor and elevate and bless other people. Oozing Jesus everywhere we go. Amazing. Let's pray together. Just search your own heart. Why don't you just ask God to search you right now? Ask God by the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe there's areas in your life, in my life, where we're still holding on so desperately to self. Maybe there's areas that we, we just can't shake. Maybe we're too focused on getting our opinions out there. Maybe we're too focused on getting our rights out there. Maybe we're too critical of everything else that's going on. Maybe it's time to lay all that aside, friend. For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus, and for the sake of everyone around us. What is it? Let's just be open to God for a moment. Just ask him, search your own heart. Because Holy Spirit would speak to us. So we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and reveal Jesus in deeper and more beautiful ways in our heart. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you always point to Jesus. Saying, look at this great king. Look at this great friend. Look at this great savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you lay down everything for us so that we might live. Thank you, Jesus, that you give us new and abundant life so we can live freely now, giving our lives away for the sake of others. So I pray, let's pray together. We pray that you'd not only speak to us, you'd reveal areas in our lives that we need to walk free from and you would empower us to pick up a new life and to live it out with you. So I just ask God, every single day I pray, we would wake up with that phrase. If we want to follow you, we will deny ourselves, pick up your life and follow. So I pray you'd speak to us. You'd transform us and you'd use us to give our lives away to serve others. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Keep doing business with God. Pray every day. Ask him to reveal different things to you every day. Keep denying yourself. Pick up your cross. Pick up the life of Jesus and follow him. Because I feel that's where true life is.